Amen. Go in your Bible to the book of Psalms, Psalm 133 this morning. Psalm 133 is one of the best known psalms in the uh, body of Christ, but it's uh, got some secrets in it, some truths in it that I want to share with you this morning. And as you look for that, I just want to tell you what the book of Deuteronomy says. We're going to Psalms 133. But the book of Deuteronomy says that the Lord God will keep his eye on his people from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. How many of you have seen God be faithful all last year? And how many of you know he's going to be faithful all this year? He begins and ends the year watching over his people, blessing his people, strengthening his people because we're his children. And there is something he wants you to have. He wants you to have the anointing of his presence on your life. And that's what Psalm 133 talks about. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands the blessing and life forevermore. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity you've given us to enter a new year and to come into your house. On this first Sunday of the year, Lord, we ask that you would begin something in us that would last us to the last Sunday of this year. We pray that you would send revival into our hearts, into our land, and that you would magnify your name among us. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon my lips of clay, that the words I speak might be God's word for God's people in the time of their need. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this church, this congregation, that as they hear the word, they might hear it with receptive ears and receptive hearts, that we might discern what you are saying to each of us individually. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Would you say this with me? Anointing, fall on me. One more time. Say that with me. Anointing, fall on me. I want to begin this morning talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know that as we read Psalm 133, and if you would, just keep your Bible open there for a little bit because I want us to study this chapter together this morning. And I want to do a little bit more teaching uh, if I can, as we look at this chapter, we're actually going to look at this chapter from verse 3 back toward, toward verse 1. Because there is a formula in this uh, passage of scripture that God wants us to have and to uh, use in our lives. And this is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about this morning. And so when you read verse 3 of chapter 133 of the Psalms, it tells you that uh, the blessing of God is upon Mount Zion like the dew of Mount Hermon. Now these are, uh, these are regional places in the, in the Holy Land. Zion is the place that you and I know as Jerusalem. And it is where the temple of God sat uh, on that temple mount. And in just a few days, some of us are going to be going to Israel. We're going to see Zion. And uh, if you don't ever get to come with me on a tour of Israel, then someday when Jesus comes, we'll all go to Zion, all right? So don't worry about it. We're going to see Zion one way or the other. But Zion was the place where God's house was. 
And it was the place, the Bible said, where God caused his name to dwell. And the scripture says that the Lord sent a blessing upon Zion and that he sent a life forevermore. And so we see there that God has a purpose and he has a place that he wants to fulfill this purpose. His purpose is to bring blessing and to bring life onto his people. And the place where he wants to do it in this text is Zion. Well, um, in the book of Ezekiel, the Lord actually abandoned the temple. Now, isn't that a strange thing to hear, to hear that uh, the preacher says that God left his own house? But God was so done with Israel. He was done with their idolatry and their perversions that he actually left the temple. And God didn't come back into the temple until Jesus came to the temple as a baby and was dedicated in that place. The glory had left the temple. The glory of God had left that house. But you know the Bible teaches us in the New Testament a new reality, a new truth. And that is that the glory of God has now, although it has left the temple in the physical sense, it has come into us, into the body of Christ. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you don't have to go to Jerusalem to experience the presence of God. You can experience the presence of God in your soul right now. Say amen, somebody. You are the place that God has decided to bless. I want you to say that with me this morning. God has decided to bless me. I want you to know that and I want you to believe that. God has decided to bless you. You are the place that God wants to bless and the place that God wants to send life and that he wants to send life forevermore. Now, I'm not just talking about you and the individual, but that means that God wants to bless your household. He wants to bless your home. He wants to bless the people in your family. He wants to bless the city of Beville. How many of you know that Beville needs the blessing of God? Well, I believe God has decided to bless Beville. And I believe that God has decided to bless the Coastal Bend region. Say amen, somebody. Do you know that God is not done with us yet? God is not done with our region. God is not done with our city. And God is not done with the United States of America. Say amen, somebody. God has decided to bless. God has decided to bring the gospel, the good news, into this region and into our nation. And I believe that before Jesus comes, we're going to see a revival take place in our land where we're going to see God fulfill his good word and his good promise to us. But see, if God has decided to bless and if God has chosen a place where he wants to send this blessing, then this psalm gives us an idea as to how that works. The Bible tells us this, that you and I can actually bring healing to our land. You see, God's blessing always requires someone through which it can flow, someone through which it can move. So I want you to understand this with me because I believe in the blessing of God. But the blessing of God is actually not just for you. Say amen, somebody. The blessing of God on your life is not just so that you can be happy. And so that you can have all your needs met. The blessing of God is so that you can bless somebody else. You've been blessed to be a blessing. God doesn't just want to bless the Christian in Beville. He wants to bless the whole city of Beville. And he's put within every single person here the capacity to be a blessing around uh, the, to the people around us and to the region around us. This is what troubles me in the United States of America, that many times we've fallen in love 
with the things and we have forgotten the God who gave us those things. We've fallen in love with our cars and our houses and our jobs and we've forgotten it was God who gave us that car. It was God who gave us that house. It was God who gave us that job and it's God who can bless you. Friend, your job can't bless you. Your house can't bless you. Your money can't bless you. Only God can bless you. Only God can send his blessing into your life. But that blessing is so that you can bless somebody else. So that that, uh, that grace that is on your life can be used to touch the lives of somebody else. This is what the scripture says. The scripture says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, the Lord says, I will hear from heaven. If they will turn from their sin, I will heal their land. Listen to what God is saying. He doesn't say, if Bevel will humble itself and repent, I'll bless it. What does he say? He says, if my people will humble themselves and repent, then I will bless Bevel. Now just think about that. Because many times we talk about, oh, that sinner needs to repent. This city needs to repent. This country needs to repent. You know that repentance begins at the house of God with the people of God. God is looking for a people that have consecrated their hearts to him. Now, it's real quiet in the house of God this morning, but I'm telling you what the answer is. If we want to see blessing in our nation, if we want to see blessing in our city, the blessing of God begins when you and I, as God's people, humble ourselves and fast and pray and seek God's face. Is there a people like that in the house of God this morning? Is there a people over whom God has called his name in this place? Is there a people in here that knows how to seek God's face? Well, you know, that people is able to bless the nation and the land around them. God wants to use you to heal America. He wants to use you to bless the Coastal Bend region. He wants to use you to bless Beeville and to be a blessing to your family. And so what does it take? Well, in order for the blessing of God to reach the uh, region, and in order for the blessing of God to reach your family, you've got to have an anointing. Say, anointing, fall on me. You see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what produces the blessing. You can't have blessing without anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the presence of God on your life. The anointing is God's presence, God's power over your, the gifts of God that rest within your life. And you see, every one of us in here has gifts. We all have callings. We all have abilities. We all have skills that were given to us by God. The Lord has given me uh, the gift of preaching. He's given me the ability to understand the word. He's given me insight into the word. But let me tell you what. Without the anointing, all that is is a dead head. Without the anointing, all that is is powerless talk. In order for the word of God that's in you to be able to come out with power, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need the anointing of God to be able to come upon the gifts of God in your life. We've all heard singers, right? But then there are anointed singers. What's the difference? Sometimes the anointed singer doesn't have nearly as much talent as the gifted one, but they have the glory of God on their life. And when they begin to sing or they begin to preach or they begin to teach, the anointing of God makes up for what's lacking in their life. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about you this morning. You need the anointing of God on your life because it's the anointing that's going to bring the blessing into your life and into the people around you. 
The anointing of God right here in this text in verse 2 is symbolized by the oil. Look at what verse 2 says. It says, it is like precious oil upon the head. Notice that with me. The Bible says that it is like precious oil. The anointing the Bible describes as oil. The anointing is not in the oil. This morning we're all going to anoint you with oil. And we're going to give you oil to take home and anoint your home and your house. But the anointing is not in the oil. The anointing or the oil simply represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. And if you look at the oil, you will see the attributes of the presence of God in your life. I want you to notice some things with me. First of all, in the Old Testament, the oil was used to separate. The oil was used to, to, to consecrate someone or something for God's purpose. And so when you were anointed with oil, it meant you were separated, you were set apart for God's purpose, for a divine use. You see instruments up here. These are the best example I can give you this morning. These instruments, these keyboards, these guitars, these uh, speakers, all of this equipment has been consecrated to God. It's been separated unto God's use. That's why when you come to church on Sunday morning, you won't see a, a guitar being played on the altar that played at a dance hall last night. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because these are consecrated things. They have been set apart for a divine use. This is a consecrated pulpit. We have set it apart for the preaching of the word of God. It would work well as a whole lot of other things. But it isn't going to do any other thing but be a, a pulpit, a platform for the word of God to be preached. Psychology doesn't come in here. Philosophy doesn't come in here. Self-will doesn't come in here because this has been consecrated for a specific use. It's been consecrated for the glory of God. Now all of those things are simple objects. But I want you to, I use that illustration because I want you to notice this. You are anointed by God. God has put his oil, his precious oil on your life. And he has separated you for a divine use. That's why we don't uh, do uh, the world on, on Monday through Friday and then do God in church on Saturday and Sunday. Come on somebody. Because we have been separated for a divine use. That's why I can't play two feet. Uh, one in the world, one in, in the church. One in sin, one in righteousness. No. I live for God. Why? Because I have been set apart. I've been consecrated for a divine purpose. Now, when the priest was anointed, the Bible says that they would take blood and they would put it in the oil. Now, we don't have any blood in this oil, all right, this morning, so don't panic. There's, there is a great significance, though, in that act. They would take the blood, they would take the oil, because you see, every single life in here that has come to Christ has to be anointed by the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that washes away your sin. It's the blood of Jesus that gave you a new birth. It's the blood of Jesus that made you a new man or a new woman. Say amen, somebody. That's why we sing, oh, the blood of Jesus, because it is an astounding thing to think about the blood. But you see, not only did God give us Jesus, he also gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the oil. You know, there are some churches, they have a whole lot of Jesus, but no Holy Spirit. 
And they, they know a whole lot about the Bible, but they don't know anything about the Spirit of God. There are other churches, like the church I grew up in, we had a whole lot of Holy Spirit, but didn't know much about anything. There wasn't a whole lot of knowledge with that. But you know, God is raising up a church today. God has raised up Kingsway Church to be a church that knows the Word, a church that knows Jesus, a church that preaches the gospel in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. We have the blood and we have the oil. And that anointing has so much power that it is able to transform lives. Now, the, the priests in the Old Testament, when they were consecrated, they were set apart for God. They were anointed in three places. First of all, they were anointed in their earlobe. That represented that now they were going to think the thoughts of God. They were going to hear the voice of God. They were going to be led by the will of God. And then they would anoint them on the thumb of their right hand. That meant that they were now going to do the work of God. They were no longer going to do the things they used to do. Their hands had been set apart for divine use. And then they anointed the great toe of their right foot. And uh, that was so that now it represented that they were going to walk according to the path of God. They were going to do the, their, their life was going to be lived according to the purpose and destiny of God over their life. Can I tell you this morning that that is why we need to say, Holy Spirit, fall on me. We need to say, Holy Spirit, fall on my hearing so that I can hear the voice of God. Fall on my hands so that I can do the will of God. Fall on my feet so that I can walk and serve, serve God. Come on, somebody. The anointing wants to, wants to come over every area of your life so that you can think and act and go in the direction that God has for your life. Now the second thing the anointing did, that the oil did in the Old Testament, but that it was that it was used to heal. It was used as a medicine. And uh, it had some medicinal qualities to it that at the very least could clean or help uh, a wound to heal. And so the anointing oil was used for the healing of wounds. It was used for the healing of the sick. Can I tell you this morning that the anointing of the Holy Spirit still heals. The anointing of the Holy Spirit still brings physical and spiritual healing to every place where the anointing is allowed to rest. Come on, somebody. God wants to bring healing into your home. He wants to bring healing to your body and healing to your mind. He wants to bring healing to the minds of your children. And you know, oil, it has this particular quality that when it gets on something, it gets on everything. You have realized that? That oil will get into every last little corner. That's what the anointing of the Holy Spirit will do. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, when it gets into your heart, will heal things you didn't even know were broken. It will bring healing and recovery to every area of your life. So say it again. Anointing, fall on me. Now, I don't want you to just say it because the pastor said it. I want that to become your prayer this morning. Anointing, fall on me because I need healing. I need to be restored. I need to be rebuilt. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit can do that. Finally, the anointing of the Holy Spirit was used for deliverance. The Bible says that the anointing destroys the yoke. Now, you and I don't use yokes today, but basically a yoke was the harness that would bind two oxen together. Or perhaps two horses together. And that yoke uh, meant that the, the oxen were now tied to one another. 
That's why when you got married, if you were in a, in a Hispanic wedding, they put a lasso on you because now you are tied together. And so that's what that yoke means. Marriage is a yoke, but there are other yokes that are not so good as marriage. Marriage is a good yoke, but there are yokes the enemy wants to put on your life. And he has bound some of you to drugs. He's bound some of you to your past. He's bound some of you to depression. And every time you want to get free, that other thing in your life pulls you back in to the place where you were. It pulls you back down. It keeps you from going forward. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit destroys the yoke. Did you hear me this morning? I said the anointing of the Holy Spirit is able to destroy the yoke in your life. That's why as the word of God is preached, sin is broken in your life. And, and depravity is broken in your life. And false teaching and false thinking is broken in your life. Because of the yoke destroying power of the anointing. This is what the scripture tells us, that the Father sent Jesus, his anointed, in order to accomplish these things in our life. He came to break the yoke off of your shoulders. He came to break the shackles off of you, to shake off the dust, to remove the chains, to remove the burden from off of your back. He came to set free your hands from the heavy burden. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to deliver your life from the yoke of poverty. Say amen, somebody. He wants to deliver your life from the yoke of sickness. He wants to deliver your life from the yoke of depression. He wants to deliver your life from the, from the yoke of addiction. Whatever it is that has been binding your life, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is able to break the yoke from off of your life and give you perfect freedom in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Now I want you to notice another part of this formula. And that is that the precious oil, look at verse 3. The two there. The precious oil falls where? It says it is like the precious oil upon the head. Do you know that the anointing always begins with the head? That's why when you come forward this morning, we're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to anoint your head. Why? Because your head is the most important part of you. I don't know if you realize that or not, but your head is the most important part of you because your head is the center of your decisions. And it is the center of your senses. You know, they can transplant hearts and kidneys and a whole lot of other organs, but there aren't very many people who've ever had a transplanted head. And, uh, you know, you can't live without your head. You need your head. You need this part of you that is able to govern the rest of your life. And here's the reality. Wherever your head goes, the rest of your body will follow. And so well, you've got to be sure that you have the anointing upon your head because your head is going to rule your life. Your head is going to make the decisions that bear fruit in your life. And so you and I need to be aware of this, that the anointing has to be upon our head so that we can see what God sees, so that we can hear what God hears, so that we can smell and discern as God smells and discerns, so that we can have a mouth and a tongue that speaks the word of God, so that our, our capacity to think, our mind, is led by the spirit of God. You say, well, Pastor Isaac, I heard somewhere that you don't have a sense of smell. Well, good for you. You heard somewhere, that's right, I don't have a sense of smell. But in my spirit, I can smell real well. And I can smell a skunk in the spirit. You realize that God will give you discernment to pick up on things that your physical man can't pick up on if you will let the anointing take over and rule your life? Come on, somebody. Is this the house of God? Am I talking to the right people this morning? Say it again, anointing. Fall on me. 
how the, the enemy attacks the head. The enemy shoots at your head. You know, the enemy does not, doesn't take uh, flesh wounds. He wants to destroy your whole life. And where does he attack? He attacks your mind. The strategy of Satan is always to attack your mind. Because if he can get your mind into bondage, your whole body's in bondage. Listen to me. You can wake up one morning and you're having a good day. You had your coffee. You had your donut. You had your carne asada taco, whatever it is you had. And now you're at work and you're in, you're, everybody's behaving and everything's going right. And then you have a thought. And that thought is about what, you're, what somebody told you in the third grade. That thought is about something that's irrelevant to your life today. And that little thought starts swirling around in your mind. And before you know it, your day is ruined. And maybe you thought about that girl that told you no. She didn't want to be your girlfriend. When you sent her a note, check yes or no. She said no. And now you're thinking about that. And now you're thinking, man, nobody loves me. And I, I'm never going to get. And that's what the enemy does. He'll send a straight thought and then another one and another one and another one. Because if he can get in your head, he'll get in your life. And if he gets in your life, he will govern your life. That's why you need to say anointing, fall on me because I need a clear head. I need to think like God thinks. Come on. I need the mind of Christ. I can't have my head clouded by worry and fear and anxiety. You know, the enemy comes and tells you, what if you die young? What if, this, what if this little pain in your back is actually cancer? What if these things are actually going on in your mind? What if, there, what if all, all these disasters are actually coming your way? And you've got to know how to stand up against those thoughts. It's the anointing that is able to raise up a hedge and to say, not here, devil. Your lies don't carry any weight. I am a child of God. I am the healed of the Lord. Come on, somebody. God has decided to bless me. But the enemy attacks your mind. The next thing he attacks is he attacks your husband. If you're married... God attacks your husband. If you're not married, maybe you're still a child at home. God attacks your father. Why? Now, pardon the, the enemy attacks your father or your husband. Satan does that because he wants to attack the leadership of the home. He attacks the head because he knows if he can destroy the head, he will bring the he will undermine the entire structure of the home. So if you're a husband or a father this morning or a leader of a of a home, I want you to just know this. You need to be praying every day, anointing. Fall on me. Anointing, come over my, over my ministry to my wife, over my ministry to my children. What did you say, Pastor? You got it right. You're, you're a husband. You have a ministry to your wife. You have a ministry to your children. Before you have a ministry to anybody else, you have a ministry to that woman that God has put beside you to love her, to honor her, to keep her, to be her spiritual guide, to be a shepherd in the home. You have an, uh, uh, a ministry to those children, and you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Say amen, guys. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. The enemy has undermined entire home by bringing down the head of the home, by bringing down the ministry of husbands and uh, of, uh, of marriages in the home. And then the enemy attacks the leadership of the church. He attacks the pastor. He attacks the eldership. He attacks the, the, the leaders of the diverse ministries of the church because he knows if he can undermine the authority of the church, if he can undermine the head of the church, he'll get to the whole flock. 
That's what the scripture says. If you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. That's why the number one thing that you need to be praying every, every week in this church, when you come in here and you think about all that, that God is doing in your life, you need to be saying, anointing, fall on me. Fall on my mind. Fall on my husband's mind. Fall on my pastor's mind. We all need the anointing because the enemy is attacking. But we don't have to come under the attack of the enemy. We have a greater authority, a greater power. Come on, somebody. The victory already belongs to us. The anointing is what brings that victory into our lives. If the enemy can undermine the head, he will undermine the whole body. You know, some of you, uh, I'm proud of you this morning because the devil's got you in a headlock, but you dragged in the church anyway. You got here to church anyway. Can I just tell you, God wants to set you free this morning. He, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to destroy the yoke. Come on, somebody. He's here to destroy the yoke over your life. So we see here that David says in Psalm 23, he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Do you want to have overflow? Do you want to have overflow? What do you need first? You need the anointing upon your head. If you want financial overflow, you need the anointing on your finances. If you want physical overflow, some of you want less overflow, right? You need the anointing to govern how you live out your physical life. Every place where you want overflow, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that anointing falls on the head. Now notice that once it's on the head, then it starts to trickle down to the whole body. Now notice that because the anointing doesn't move upward. The anointing flows downward. The anointing starts with the head and moves down. That's why God doesn't give his plans for his church to the church members. He gives them to the pastor. Well, I, I don't know, pastor. I think I have some insight. Well, no, God's not going to talk to you about something that you're not the head of. The anointing begins with the head. And when the anointing is on the head, it can't help but flow down. You know, the, the, uh, the, the old prophets, they used to take a horn of oil, an entire ram's horn full of oil, and they would pour it out on the head of the king. And when that oil came out of that ram's horn, you just imagine a gallon or so of oil coming down. It's going to come down from the top of the head and it's going to get to the whole body. It's going to saturate the entire body. That's what God wants to do. When he anoints your head, he's going to anoint the whole rest of your body. And when he anoints the headship of the church, the leadership of the church, he's going to anoint the whole rest of the body of Christ. You see, there are gifts in you. There are, there are skills in you. There are things God wants you to do. But many times the body is stiff. Many times the body can't get any work done because it hasn't received the oil. Listen, you know, uh, many years ago, before most of you were born, I think they, they made a movie called uh, Wizard of Oz. Ever seen The Wizard of Oz? You are so sanctified. You've never seen The Wizard of Oz. Come on, you know you've seen The Wizard of Oz. There was a character in that story who was the tin man. Y'all remember the tin man? He was a man made of tin. And his problem was that when he got wet or he got into a humid situation, he would rust. Y'all remember? And he couldn't move. And he would speak with just barely his lips. I need oil. 
There are a lot of you like that this morning. I'm glad the tin man came to church. Because your, your outer man is stiff as a board. But your inner man is saying, I need oil. I need a breakthrough. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in here that needs some oil? Is there anybody in here that needs an anointing? And you know they would take that little can of oil, and they would put some around his neck, and he would loosen up his head. And then he could speak. And then they would loosen up his shoulders and his arms and his elbows and his knees. You know the church in America has rusted down. It's been so, it's been so long that it's used its gifts. Some of you haven't testified in years. You haven't invited anybody to church in a long time. You've gotten rusty sitting in the pew. But this morning the anointing of the Holy Spirit is here to loosen you up. Because the anointing is on the body in order to fulfill the purpose of God and the mission of God for this generation. Come on, somebody. If you need the anointing, say, anointing, fall on me. You know, when, when you and I get the anointing on our, on our body, on our gifts, everybody starts to do what God equipped them to do. And that anointing gets down to the region. It flows from the head to the body, to the mountain, to the place that God has decided to bless. So you see, you are an essential part of what God wants to do in the Coastal Bend region. You are an essential part of what God wants to do in Beeville. Beeville is in God's crosshairs for blessing. But you and I have to be in the position to receive the anointing of the Spirit of God that he wants to pour out upon the life of this community. It begins, it begins with you this morning. It begins with your heart saying, Holy Spirit, fall on me. Anointing, fall on me. Now, if you look at verse 1 quickly, you will see the last key to the flow of the anointing. It says, Behold how beautiful and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. In what? Do you know that the number one greatest hindrance to the anointing is division? The greatest hindrance to the anointing in your marriage is division. In your home, it's division. In our church, it's division. We thank God that he has preserved us from division in this house. He's given us a spirit of unity. That's why the anointing is on this house, because God has made us one. He's made us a united people. That's why you and I have to fight against division on every turn. Listen, your marriage cannot afford to be bickering and fighting over small things, over spilt milk, over yesterday's problems. Why? Because there are bigger fish to fry. There are more important things to do. God has greater works, and division is going to hold back the anointing in your life. But if you will get united, if you will get into prayer, if you will get into fasting, if you will link arms with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the anointing of God flows where there is unity. It flows where there is a, a communion, a harmony among the body of Christ. Now this morning, I want you to set your heart to one thing. To say, anointing, fall on me. How many of you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit? 
How many of you really need the anointing of the Holy Spirit? I want you to stand with me this morning. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask everyone here to come to the altar. Elders, would you come please first? The rest of you, if you would just uh, give us one moment. We're going to organize everybody up here so that we can anoint every single person with oil. Go ahead and prepare, elders. And as you come, ushers, if you would, as the people come, would you come and just, we're going to line up across this altar, every single person in here, and we're going to anoint you with oil. Now remember, the anointing is not in the oil. It's in the Spirit of God that the oil represents. Come on, Kingsway.